Enter New R Presents. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern, Episode 37. What's in your DM's guide? This episode was recorded live at twitch.tv slash lantern noir. Hello and welcome after a short hiatus in which I tried desperately not to die of an undisclosed fever. Uh, we are back at the Old Timer Tavern. I have been fever free for at least... 18 hours, so I am clear to engage with other human beings. Um, they said 72 at the doctor, and then I had a bit of a bout last night, but I wrote it off as just a lingering kick. Um, so if you missed us last week, I am so sorry. Um, if you did not miss us, my name is Rob, a.k.a. Lanch Noir. I'm one of two hosts here at Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern, where two old farts who once talked about Thacko were told to shut up and start a podcast. The other old fart would be... Graybeard or Graybeard's Tavern. Ah, <sighs> uh, indeed. I still think that's one of the mo my favorite origin stories. <laughs> Back in my day, you were only an elf. <laughs> the dwarf, dwarf was a class and a race. <laughs> there was a reason in in uh, in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. If a halfling walked into the bar, you grabbed your pouch because they were all thieves back then. Um, and they could all speak chaotic. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, don't forget alignment languages mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, we were talking before we went live that I am stressing out because I am upgrading my computer within the next couple of weeks, which means all of my stream stuff, which podcast listeners, I realize you probably don't notice all the bells and whistles we have going on, but we have a few bells and whistles here. Um, I have to rebuild practically from scratch when I go move into my new computer. Um, Although I'm, I'm currently exporting the scenes. I know I can do that. I'm just, I'm going to have to go th through and re-reference all of the files, but that's okay. I don't mind doing that. I'm the, I'm the nerd that once wrote a choose your own adventure for my classes using mm -hmm. PowerPoint. <laughs> Where I, I gave them a laptop, I gave them the PowerPoint and said, good luck. Mm -hmm. And they had to like click their way through the different slides and it was all linked with decisions they would make. Yeah. And different decisions gave them different information to solve the problem. See, that's amazing. Now that's that's the teacher that a, a a gamer weirdo like me would have like adored, you know. PowerPoint is a special kind of evil. Okay, not to spend too long off topic. PowerPoint has ruined meetings. I will absolutely go with you there. I think the number of people who have thought, "Well, I made a PowerPoint. We're going to be fine." No, we're not. Mm. You made a bunch of posters. You still have to know what the, you're talking about when you stand up in the meeting. No amount of pretty posters will hide that you don't have a clue what is going on with that marketing campaign. Yes. Oh. Just saying. I, 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 to stay off topic for one, one oh, quick please. story. I, uh, I, for maybe, it's maybe been six or eight years now. Yeah, for at least six years, I don't have to go to certain staff meetings because 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 my snoring was inter do? my snoring was interrupting them. <laughs> I I fell asleep in multiple 
m multiple uh, staff meetings and they, my boss just like, you know, Kung Fu'd me off the schedule and like told me just answer maybe, just, just answer maybe all the time when you get invited to those meetings and don't go, don't, <laughs> just don't go. I love my boss. He, he's got my back. That, but, is, that is the way to do it, my friend. The, you, yeah. you took the Franklin method. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was so like, <laughs> like, like VP of the company speaking, and there I am. <laughs> People started laughing, and uh, just like I said, after the third time it happened, my boss was just like, "You just can't," and I'm like, "I can't." It's so horrible, so horrible. Well, anyway. I, I I will admit, uh, while we're on the topic. Mm. Um, there was once I fell asleep during a student presentation. Oh. <laughs> I like, I legit went to sleep and had to be woken. <laughs> now, in my defense, mm. they, it was an end of the year projects. They opted mm. for their project to make a PowerPoint presentation about roller coasters. Mm. It was the third such PowerPoint presentation of that class period. Oh. The seventh roller coaster PowerPoint presentation of the week. Oh. They, this was the, the early days. Mm -hmm. So they dimmed the lights in the room mm -hmm. and then they turned around and read the PowerPoint. Mm. And I, uh, and, and hello, Eric, welcome by the way. Um, and I did indeed fall asleep. And, uh, the young lady who came up to me from the group who was an amazing student, just an absolutely mm. epic student, um, came up very concerned. It's like, mm. am I, are we going to get a bad grade? I said, well, <laughs> if you look at the rubric, out of 50 points, five of them were for creating an engaging presentation. Oh. Can we agree you're not earning those points? <laughs> the best part is you laid the smack down on it after. <laughs> and, and she looks at me and goes, yeah, yeah, we were pretty boring. <laughs> and I went, okay. Okay, now everything else looks fine. I mean, if you're okay with a 45 out of 50, I'm okay with a 45 out of 50. Because what I can see in your, your PowerPoint, you definitely got 45 out of 50. But... Uh... Presentation, not engaging. Yeah. Um, and, she was, and she was very cool about it. She's like, yeah, I'll take an A- minus on that. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> very nice, very nice young lady. Um, her boyfriend, who she did break up with, I think the year after... Is actually mm. now a physics teacher. Ah. Hmm. Um, which, again, you know, it's a weird little thing, the way those sometimes <laughs> work out. And yes, yes, I am updating Streamlabs because I was set to stream Sunday night, which was going to be the start of my Dragon Heist game, and mm. we did not. So Streamlabs is a little bit drunk. Mm. We will fix that. So before we talk about, like, the last two weeks in gaming... Yeah. We, we were talking about the fact, well, last time we sat down, we were talking, mm. is it going to be fifth, 5.5 or 6th edition? And that segues really, really well into um, what we would want in a proper Dungeon Masters guide. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's a great, like, since we know Watsi is listening to our podcast, um that might be kind of a fun topic to, to banter around. Yeah. Um, uh, if it's 5.5, yeah. you will probably still have to buy new books. 
I think that's a legit concern, but I think they're going to streamline enough stuff that you're going to want the, the newest edition unless you literally own the entire 5.E catalog. Yeah. And yeah he, with, I, like we said, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be more like a, a core, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll resubmit and buff everything up in a way that, you know, it makes it worth it, but, but is so backwards compatible that, that you don't have the three three five horrors that we had. Um. <laughs> I, I don't know though. I think I think when you consider the light, I mean, we're going down the topic we went down last time. Yeah, but, yeah. But I will follow slightly. Mm. I feel like with the amount of stuff they've put out with the the UA and a lot of just the feedback for for the min max crowd, this could be better. Yeah. Um, I think they really are going to do something more significant where you're going to want the new books because they've modified a bunch of the feats and the rules. Maybe they'll throw a bone at us and say, if you have a digital copy, we'll upgrade it for free. Right. With the new feats, at least. Now, they're not going to be organized yeah. very well because it's organized on the old system. But yeah. And then I'll just buy the new stuff because they're probably also going to roll out their own D&D Beyond at that point because right. they probably don't like sharing the money with another website, which will make right. me sad on some levels. And on the other hand, make me go, I, I'm, I'm a capitalist at heart. My money is going to go where the product is. Yeah, that's and that's that's yeah. We discussed that last time, but I guess it's pertinent for setup. You know, the the bump set spike of this episode. Uh, I think that that's going to be a, a a big. A, a, a big selling point for the new stuff is how do you break the rule or how do you sell more books, break the rules of the last books. So there's going to be enough stuff to make it a viable, you know, uh, a viable uh, sale. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that gets into like, I think continuing with the, now that it's up there, I'm going to slam it down on the other side of the mm, net. That's what I said. Ready for the spike is, um <laughs> is to really revisit how they write the dungeon master's guide. I think there's a lot of elements in the DM's guide that requires um, some introspection on the part of the writers to recognize the world we live in. Um, and by that, I mean any Joe average can pull up in YouTube and watch a D and D game happening. Mm -hmm. um, they can pull up Matt Mercer and what? 10 years of critical role episodes now. And they can watch how he DMs and go, okay, I think I might be able to not do that. So I'll watch this guy who's got a smaller audience that I can probably emulate. I can do that. And they can and they can go ahead and, and follow that lead, um, which you could not do right. 15 years ago when they first started working on these. If you think back to where we were back mm -hmm. in the old days, how, how did we learn to Dungeon Master? <laughs> It fell on the guy who who had either enough determination or imagination to to either be shoved into the role or to want the role of of dungeon master. So, well, and, yeah. and, you know, to, to wax historical for a moment, back in the day um, when I dungeon mastered in middle school, I just read what was in the module book. Mm -hmm. And um, if the book said I should read this out loud, I read this out loud. And then I 
figured out what monsters should attack. And I was barely even a rules referee because <laughs> everybody knew the rules too. My job yeah. was just to keep secret as to where the monsters were so they yeah. could go kill them. <laughs> well, and, and like, like I've told my first, uh, first touch with it, I was only eight and I, I, it was me at eight, Mike at 10, uh, oh my God, I can only remember a character name. Missy was 12 and her older brother, Mark was 16. And so we had this, this eight year gap between us and we all played, he, Mark just gave us stat blocks out of the single blue covered you know, D and D book, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the like hundred page, uh, D and D book, if that, and, uh, we, we played elementals. Yeah. And so, you know, there was no characters or blah, 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 any of that. We were monsters, you know, we were elementals and it was awesome. And so my, my brain from the beginning was like, eh, rules, <laughs> who needs that? You know, um, as a side note, I had been doing, I, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but I had been doing improv since second grade. Since I was like seven years old, uh, I grew up really poor and uh, <laughs> in a very dysfunctional family. And so I never had stuff to bring for like show and tell or I, you know, I didn't have parents who watched over and said, hey, it's show and tell. Don't forget your thing. So I would do improv skits. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, basically i would take whatever show was on that week change it the show that i had watched change it a little bit and then play a dumb character from the show and just do a scene from a show and it became a thing for me to on fridays when other kids were like here's my new whatever or i read a book this week i would get up and i would do two cent man or um uh 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 Oh God, who was it? It was do oh do do dog man and Robin, or you know whatever show I, I happened to be watching, the stupid friends, a anything. I would just twist it a little bit, be goofy, throw myself around the floor and stuff, and then uh, you know kids would laugh and and that was it. So by the time I was nine or ten and DMing, I, it was it was almost second nature to just improv my way through things. <laughs> Yeah, which is so weird because, like I said, with mine, it was we we did not have a lot of role play back in mm -hmm. my day. Everything was, well, how much damage can you do? What magic item are you trying to buy? Can you save up enough gold to buy that magic item? You know, there's a rule for what the markup is. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had to figure out what town we were in. And if it didn't say in the book, there was always a big debate as right. to how wealthy the starting town was in a particular module because that would determine if we could get magic items and because back in second edition they had tables for everything so it was like well just roll on the table see what happens um and so it was very codified yeah well and by the time i was 10 or 12 we started we started looking at other games and 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 doing the modules and the modules were you know it, it was basically lay the map out and then, and then read the text, fight the monster, read the next bit of text, fight the monster, yep. you know, the, so by the time we started doing modules, it had become a different game 
it was more like squid game with dice when we were little <laughs> you know it was just sort of like i'm gonna kill you you can't kill me well roll the dice you know type yep. stuff and then well, I... we 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 got more codified as we grew older and smarter <laughs> i forget how old i am as a gamer because um i remember introducing a group of semi familiar D Ders uh, going yeah. through like my expectations um the dice say you die um <laughs> yeah that sometimes they did um but but joking that they, they get one save verse boxed text per session nice which means one time they can interrupt a module description and mm. nobody got the joke <laughs> and i was like oh okay okay this frames things because even people who are seasoned D&Ders now don't know the joy, right. which is, oh, you've entered the room. I'm going to read you what's happening. And sometimes it would include things like your characters rush forward to the defense of the princess. And you're like, yes. no, my character doesn't. My character's freaking like lawful evil. She, he ain't rushing nowhere. I huck a dagger at the princess. Yeah. No, uh -uh. I'm, I'm, that's not what it says. Yeah, I'm not. No, no. It, 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 what do you do? You kill the hostage. That's mm. that's logical. <laughs> Remove the unknown from the equation. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Um, now they stopped doing that. If you look mm. at the the most more recent publications, probably from three on, I think second edition mm. had a couple of modules that were really bad for the your characters are tr are on rails when they enter this room. Mm -hmm. uh, but they got to have it later. But there there were a couple like, oh no, yeah, um, yeah. Which gets into the, so if we're talking about our idealized Dungeons Masters guide, I guess the, the first thing I want to put out there, and I mentioned this last time, so I feel like it's a good starting point, is the idea of having some kind of a experience level chapter building. Yeah. So that there's a, um, a mechanism by which the reader can go, okay, I don't even know what I'm, I was asked to be the dungeon master. I don't know what that means. And they yep. have a place to go that really like at that level and then have stuff also when there where it's like, you don't need this to run a game, but at some point you owe it to yourself to read this far in the book. Yep. Kind of a thing. And I think too, it should, it should start with, you know, how to use this book and then have like mm. have like three sections you know like a like a uh i have never run a game before like you're saying and and that's section one and then hey i i have dm'd before or i've played other games or i am an ex experienced rpg computer player section two that's mm. where you would start and then section three would be like, all right, I've been doing this for 20 years. Here's some things you might not do. And if you do, here's great ideas to spice it up. Should be like that third section, you know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one in the first section, talk about, you know, running modules versus homebrew and you know stuff like that and maybe give them some some basics like don't over prep and the things that experienced gamers now are the things that they say in their very first video to dms <laughs> should be in that first chapter you know don't over prep 
uh, only worry about is everybody having a good time? How to do a session zero? That kind of thing. Uh, Safety tools should all be that first chapter or that first section. Okay, so I'm going to disagree slightly. Sure, sure. Because I feel like that first section actually should start with what are you doing? Like even before we get into safety tools and we get into session zeros, but just like, what is the goal of a role-playing game? What is the goal of the dungeon master in the role-playing game? What is the goal of a typical player in in the role-playing game? Um, Because I think, I think most of the time players fall into a couple of, we we know players fall into certain archetypes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's a value before we even start talking safety tools of just like, look, this is the flow of things. Your job is to probably do X, Y, Z while you're doing it. Because I feel like I I will be afraid to scare people with safety tools in that first chapter. Mm. Mm. Like we, I just, I got told I'm dungeon mastering for my college friends. And by the way, Gunstar, thank you for the host. We appreciate the additional eyeballs on our little get together here on this fine Tuesday at happy hour as we're all off the clock and doing something else with our afternoons. Um, because I do think it's valuable, but I also think if I were to hand my dad, say my dad mm-hmm. wanted to, to he, he and his buddies say, finally, we're going to try this Dungeons and Dragons things out. And we're, we're a bunch of retired engineers. We can figure it. And I hand him a book. <laughs> and chapter one says, how not to put your players into therapy. <laughs> I think he would not make it to chapter two. I think he'd get through chapter one and go, yeah, uh, maybe this isn't the game for us, guys. How about we just, I heard good things about Memoir 44. What if we do that? (laughs) That's such a beautiful choice of, okay. Well, and again, I mean, I could could just Mm -hmm. easily see them say, we should try some heavy board gaming. How about a miniature game about World War II? We all understand how World War II went. We'll draw straws to see who's the Nazis, and let's do it. Exactly. Um, but um, I do think that that's a good, like, mid-chapter mm-hmm. to go into those safety tools and other techniques. Um, but I think chapter one, I think the first one should be, what's the goal of a role-playing game? What's What are the stat blocks? And maybe mm-hmm. even consider reprinting a little bit of what's in the player's handbook. Mm-hmm. But from the DM's point of view, so like the player's handbook usually says, oh, when you, when you, when you want to do this thing, you, you are likely to have to, strength is usually used to do these things. Mm-hmm. I see a good, that first chapter is a bit of a, as the dungeon master, as your players describe their actions, here's how you might look for possible rules interpretations. Like these are kind of what they're leaning towards. Yeah. Kind of a thing. So, so give them some like storytelling basics or, mm. or, you know, that kind of thing. See, I was thinking more in the, you'd have like introduction that would kind of talk about that sort of thing. And yeah. then I was thinking more of what, what I would put mechanically in each of those sections, but yeah. The, and one of the things I always loved as, as a kid was the little adventures that they would put in that are, you know, they they show you the flow like DM, then players, the caller, the party decides, the caller tells the DM, you know, that those really old, old oh, yeah. ones. 
I every once in a while crack an old book and we'll read those because they're just so they're just so beautiful. You know, it's 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 that it's that very it is not how people play these days. But it was so it's so gorgeous to read and, you know, get the member berries going. You know, you're like, "Mm, mm, I'm not going to lie. I think I think the DM's guide should have a lot of those. Mm. I think I mean, I realized the the old school way of writing it was not great, but I actually found for the most part when I was struggling with a rule, reading through the dialogue of people figuring the rule out, usually mm. like I was, I'm thinking about like Shadowrun. There yeah. were some mechanics I could not fully grok reading the mechanics on them, but mm-hmm. reading through the, oh, so-and-so is going to, you know, I'm going to cast this spell, gathers up these dice. And then it explains, you know, she's using this spell at this power level. So she's grabbing these particular dice. She rolls them. She gets these numbers. They interpret the DM interprets the numbers, yada, yada, yada. I found those so useful. Fifth edition Shadowrun had a ton of that. And it was really good because it had changed up just enough from like third edition Mm -hmm. that, that, that you're right. That made it smooth. So yeah, having, having conversational uh rules examples is yeah that that would be key let's say we'll just write that one down yeah conversation using conversations to simulate rule clarifications i think is really nice and then 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 you need to have a really effective index to Mm. go with that so i mean think in terms of a digital book yeah. The more often you can hyperlink, okay, yeah. if you're, this rule can be seen in this dialogue. Yeah. Um, Because then you can double dip a little bit, but I thought those were really good. Uh, and I think, too, if I, if, if I want to continue with the three, three sections mm-hmm. metaphor, each one of those sections has that, that index of mm. what was in the prior ones so that you can, you know, if you do just flip to three, it's going to outline right there and tell you what was in part one and two. That way, if you dive into three and go, Ooh, yeah, nope, nope, this is above my level. I want to go with, oh, here in section two is, you know, uh, how to resolve conflict or something, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's a great idea. I like that. I think, I think our first chapter two should also have a, how to run a published module. Hmm. And, and advice better than read the whole thing. Because <laughs> that's usually what the advice is. Like, oh, yeah. you want to run Dragon Heist. Well, just read it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help me prepare. So a good place for best practices um, on running a published event. And I think that's a good section one because, I'm, again, I'm picturing that we've been watching Critical Role off and on together for with our friends. And we think we might give it a stab, but we don't. We don't want to do an online paid DM thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of us really like have ever done it before, but we want to try it. Boom. Well, short straw has to buy the DM's guide. Good luck. <laughs> um, so here's a question. As a, Thinking mm-hmm. as a publisher, how yeah. do you feel about the, because um, this is really popular in textbooks, yeah. the, the features where they have like a person and their personal advice on a topic? Ooh, um, what's your take on including that kind of content? 
Well, and I think that kind of feeds back into, so for the, for those of us buying third edition stuff, <laughs> it was so great at the time to have characters have little bits and snippets that were nostalgia, you know, again, that remember berries, you know, mm-hmm. I love you. I love you. You know, of these characters making mention of things from old modules or old past editions and past books, having these little snippets from characters were amazing. So again, I think it, it, if you did it in that sort of light, or as you know, these these conversations or examples from from the DM or from you know from the desk of Wizard X, you know, who is actually one of the game game designers or whatever, and he wrote it as if he was like an old wizard putting secret knowledge into this book. I think that that would probably be as long as it was more crunch than fluff. Okay. You know. So. so so something like Vin Diesel, when I'm yeah. dungeon mastering, this is how I track hit points at my table. Yeah. And he gets like a paragraph. Yep. Or, you know, Susan Sarandon. When I played in college, I opted to not use alignment for my characters because we used this alternate system. Yep. Boom. So more than just like we're in agreement, it shouldn't just be you look at it and go, holy crap i didn't realize that ian mcclellan played dungeons and dragons it's more of a and that's how he did (laughs) that that makes sense which by the way i don't actually think he did Mm. i think he's i think he's just an amazing actor who can do anything you ask him to do Mm. i don't think he's quite that nerdy he does have a metal band so you know um... the the overlap between metal bands and dungeons and dragons is not a complete circle though (laughs) okay there are some gaps in that venn diagram i'm just gonna Uh, okay he did do a really neat interview for the lord of the rings turn-based rpg on the xbox Ah. playstation because mm. I remember unlocking his interview and thinking this was the coolest things ever. Because he was like, <laughs> they asked me to voice this character for a video game. And I don't really get video games. I don't have that mind-eye coordination. Mm. Which I thought was so adorable. Yeah. And yeah. so Ian McClellan. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I named him the, in, a, in a tweet storm uh, in a, last week or so as, as if you could put together a celebrity D&D game. Who would it be, and who would be, who would play what? And it was like, it was like Ian McKellen, dungeon master, blam, said and done, just for no other reason than you know him being the, as you open the doors, you know, oh yeah, <laughs> just that that voice and presence, uh, and the acting ability, and then you know from there it was like. It was it was like Ryan Reynolds and uh, Chris Chris Evans and Rosario Dawson and you know as as like bard rogue cleric uh, and then it was uh, it was Chris Evans as the chaste uh, the chaste innocent naive cleric and Sharon uh, uh, Char- Charlize Theron as the jaded older paladin. <laughs> You know, so so that you would have this whole religious thing going on. And and then Ryan Reynolds was the bard who could never score because everyone was after the innocent chaste cleric. 
So there would be this dynamic where, you know, the girls are all fawning over him and he's like, oh, my order, I am chased. And the bard's like, pling, you know, Ryan Reynolds is anyway. And, and meanwhile, uh, the, the grizzled jaded paladin's like, <laughs> I go both ways. Come here. It's, yeah. Yep. Um, I can. Yeah, I can totally see. I, I would I would pay to see that movie That's what I'm right saying. now. I'm just saying I would <laughs> I would pay to watch that. Yep. That's and I'm willing to bet if Chris Evans ever hears this podcast, it might happen. Because yeah. I can amazing. see him going. That sounds like fun. <laughs> and Reynolds being like, God damn it. All right, fine. <laughs> but mm. um, so, so we have that idea of of how to run a module, how to read it. I think, honestly, things that really belong in the DM's guide are good things, especially in that first section, about just the mechanics of gaming. You know, should yeah. you use a screen or not? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? Conversations I, I see a lot on the D&D Twitters are things like, do you ever fudge your dice? Right. And they're they're definitely a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like a future DM's guide is not a bad place to introduce a dungeon master to the fact that this is a controversy. Right. Like, this is right. a thing. Um, and And maybe, you know, here are... Here are the pros and cons of rolling your dice in the open, of fudging. Because people, the cons that I always hear about the fudging is, is how can they trust anything you do then? Well, because you're the dungeon master and the story, if you're just back there cheating all the time, it's if as long as it's not on rails and the story is good and everybody's having a great time, what does it matter really where the dice fall? Well, they, they then why roll dice? You know, it, it, oh my God. So yes. They're so, very hot. Well, and, and that gets into the idea of maybe acknowledging doing a better job. I think I want to say fifth edition started this, but I feel like they could do more with it, which is the explaining. There are some people that for whom Dungeons and Dragons is a tactical combat simulator. And that is a perfectly valid way of playing, although I do think that those numbers are dwindling as a percentage of the player base. Yeah. Um, And so things like acknowledging, yeah, if you are playing with people that are expecting this to be a tactical simulator, you really can't afford to fudge the dice because that's part of the covenant with them. Whereas if you are playing in more of a story-based group, a group that's there for the experience, the dice are meant to be strong suggestions then that shifts your that kind of just shifts everything a little bit in another direction where you can do things like monster hit points are not codified before a combat starts right i've seen that where somebody said my combats run four rounds at Mm. the end of which either the players are retreating or the monsters are dead yeah Uh, and and that's it and i'm like okay that's a way to do it i am i am under the auspice at this point that i think what i'm going to do if i continue to run dungeons and dragons fifth edition so i'm just going to take all the monsters hit points and cut them in half because combat is too long and i just think that it, it 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 i was i always tell this i was really excited when fifth edition came out because heroes had a lot of hit points and they did a lot more damage than previous editions oh yeah but then they upped the monsters hit points and i'm like what was the point it's just more math it's just more math you know 
Um, We're looking at you, so. Frederick, for that damage thing, by the way. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I think that um, talking about types of play and types of players, and again, giving these things sections, particularly like, like if it's a digital format and you can just click and choose sections, that, that, that way you can take your game in a way that you want it to be so you know if you, if it opened up digitally and you had a you had boxes like i don't need to know anything about this and you can make choices and just you know check boxes off or you know x through them like or there's a check and an x and you x out the ones you don't want and then yeah. you know check the ones you do want now it's interesting uh, and this goes i think to something really good for either section two or three uh, as techie mm. brought up the idea of half the hit points but double the number of bad guys mm. and i think that that gets to something that they could have done better in the dm's guide because i write an amazing article on it later which is what the concept of bounded accuracy mm-hmm which the as let me see if I get this right because I think you probably know more about it than me so I'm gonna try to explain it and sure, if sure. I do it right let me know if I screw it up fix me right. but it basically boils down to there's an upper cap on how what your to hit modifiers are because the primary difference in levels is the amount of damage you do per round not how often you're hitting the goal being you should hit more often than not yep and therefore the excitement is how much damage you're doing every round to bring that monster down as opposed to the good old days which is we're fighting a dragon swing and miss swing and miss swing and miss swing and miss swing and hit swing and miss okay dragon miss miss hit okay swing and miss swing and miss swing and hit and that was considered boring it is i think boring but but the mm -hmm. idea though is like things like how did i do by the way is that about right you you, you nailed it that's why, because you there is no magic item bloat. They they covered that by you know the attunement and 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 everything else. So yeah, so your bounded accuracy means that you're you're never going to be like plus twenty three to hit. You know it it and you're not going to need to be plus twenty three to hit. That's the is, big one. Is the thing because I I we fought in third edition. We fought a it was a dire a dire fiendish were crocodile and it had an armor class of 26 and the only one character in the party could reach 26 on hits to hit and so it was just a, a brutal impossible encounter we there's there's no way we could have we could have passed it so that which is nuts yeah yep just so. just for the record that is absolutely insane um and that gets into things i'm actually looking something up right now while we talk but oh that, sure, sure but that gets into another component which is the idea that as we are um thinking about how to communicate with the, the dungeon master about what's going on in the game describing things like the action economy mm -hmm. and including some um conversation more than they have in the past about okay in this edition we have this concept called bounded accuracy here's how it works here are examples at work let's talk about the action economy here is a party of fifth level characters yeah here's what they can do here is a collection of monsters geared for fifth level here's what they can do let's 
anal let's let's have an article basically that analyzes why simply doubling the number of monsters might actually be worse for your party than mm -hmm. doubling the hit points of one right depending on the party yeah the you know the fact mm. that my uh i don't know they were like fifth or sixth level and they were fighting something just ridiculous like like a rock or something but they were on its back already and i don't know why or whatever they the thing didn't just do a barrel roll and drop them all to their deck but they because of the action economy were able to you know dish out so much damage mm -hmm. every round that that the the rock itself because it was one singular creature and it was flying and it could only do like one attack around you know it 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 nearly wiped out that fifth level party but they did win mm -hmm. they did win that that encounter because of the action economy so yeah definitely a good thing to to discuss right and things like legendary actions is another one mm. of those a good, this would be a great place to include a conversation about like hey you'll notice some monsters have legendary actions this is why mm -hmm. we want to be sure that they basically act like a monster with minions mm -hmm. because of the action economy we don't want a party of six heroes to walk in here and go okay strad you get your one shot at me <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> all this other crap goes down um oh, oh, oh wait Strad, hold hold on monk get him stunlock <laughs> yeah no kidding by the way I just did a little bit of research while we were sitting here. Mm. Um, I pulled up some CR 20 monsters. Mm. An ancient brass dragon comes in an armor class of 20. Mm. A uh, pit fiend. So big. Mm -hmm. Does come in at 300 hit points. Yeah. With an armor class of 19. Yep. So if you have a, a plus five to hit at 20th level, which is probably low. Well, is three. So you're 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 gonna have say you have a maxed out stat that's plus five, and then a plus three weapon on top of that. You're gonna be plus eight. So you're gonna hit fifty percent of the time. Yeah, and that's the thing is you're up to that's a fifty percent hit rate. Not got to remember being blessed because we brought Aztec. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we had that D four on top of that. Um, but that's the point though is you're gonna hit, which means mm -hmm. the real difference is in the damage output. Mm -hmm. Are you going to bring it down? Are you going to burn it down fast enough compared right. to how fast it burns you down? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't yeah. feel like the DM's guide, this last edition, had a good enough conversation about these things. Yeah. Because there's so much other supporting articles out there that should have been published. Well, and I think that it really. So. Okay, this is Go going back. Three and three five were written to help get rid of its adversarial DMing. They were hmm. there is a rule for everything, and everything has a rule. Amen to that. And and that was there because you know in earlier editions, this 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 board game you know adversarial um uh play existed and so everybody was constantly feeling like i got to get one over on the dm oh i have to teach my players a lesson you know and 
and that's what really brought on the way three and three five play is there's a rule everything's there you you can look up a rule if it you know if it's not there i you're just storytelling <laughs> you yeah. know it's 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 you're just making shit up um and i think that that as people played they wanted to get away from that 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 you know and i get the x number of moves and i have to and then when i go diagonal i gotta count 1.5s and and like i said everything was so there is a rule for it that i think when five started up and when like when we were play testing for it it was one of those things where i was like yeah this is more like earlier editions in the freedom to to hey do what you want make it up and you know it's up to your dm that kind of thing was not there in three there was no hey dm make it up so i think when they wrote the wrote the fifth edition they wanted to give some of that power back to the dms and i think that that's what that's what we're feeling as we're we're coming into um Sorry, things are about to fall because of a cat. Um, as happens, <laughs> as happens, uh, and I think that's why in fifth we 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 they pulled back so much from the DMs giving the DMs so much. They, okay. I think they felt that the DMs were, you know, well, if you're DMing, this is all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, but the thing too, though, too, I think I I, I follow that, but I think. I, I equate this as the player needs to know the manual for operating the car. The mm-hmm. DM should have the manual for maintaining the car. So like, mm-hmm. I like the idea of including a little bit more of the under the hood. These are the decisions that are part of the rule set and why we made them. And mm-hmm. if you're going to tweak them, here's what you should know right. before you do. I don't think they had the experience mm-hmm. when they put out five to 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 do those things because everyone has admitted CR is stupid and it's broken and needs <laughs> needs needs a lot of work because action economy and such is not calculable in that because yeah. you have bounded accuracy you can't CR things the way the way you can because again when you're writing the game you go okay there's too many variables. If we we have to write everything, and this is my experience so far, like with modules, we have to write this module. They're gonna have they're gonna have a big a big tank. They're gonna have a, a big blaster. They're gonna have a skill monkey, and they're gonna have a healer. We have to write the module for those things being in there, and they're gonna be, you know, they're gonna be decked out optimized and so modules are written for those four optimized characters and so if you have a fifth optimized character or you only have three you know fun characters the module goes off the rails you know and that gets into another good place to include in here the okay this is the way our content is being written Mm-hmm. If you are not working with this group, <laughs> here are some things you need to do and maybe even codify them for some. Like, mm-hmm. look, if you're running with three instead of four characters, mm-hmm. this is the change you need to make. If you're right. running with characters whose total stat values average, and then you put a number in there, 
uh, or, or just you're running with a party that's not using point by or standard array. Right. There's a good chance you're going to have an under an underpowered party. Hmm. This is what you do. Um, I also think I would love a supplement that is nothing but encounters with stat blocks without names. Mm. Like, I don't want to know what this thing is called. Right. I just know that there are four of them. Mm -hmm. There's a fifth magic user of the same type. These are their stats. Yeah. And then I can go, uh, and they're appropriately balanced for a third level party. And then Mm. I can go, okay, those are bandits. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, they fought bandits last week. Those are gnolls. Oh, yeah. wait, I'm saving gnolls for the big bad halfway through the campaign. Those are orcs. Because yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, have it so that there is these these chunks that you can, then, that, that you can grab. And it doesn't matter what 3D printing skin you put on the outside of them. That's, it's the numbers that you want to, to play with. And that's what, with the CR system so monkeyed, that's that's what really does make it difficult to, well, and that's what to they do wanted. that kind of thing. I think the CR system was meant to be, oh, you've got four third-level characters. In theory, these yeah. monsters should be a good balance for that. Yeah. Um, and that's really, it's a tough system to make work. I mean, I still use it yeah. because I have nothing else to use. Right. So I figure if I'm running a slightly deadly encounter, it's probably a good challenge for my players. Well, and that's that's the thing I use uh, either the encounter builder built into uh, D&D Beyond mm-hmm. or like Cobalt Fight Club or whatever. And 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 I never make any encounter that doesn't register deadly or above yeah. because it, it just won't be a challenge for for my players, you yeah. know, um, so which makes me feel a little bad but i also think that i tend to i tend to dole out short and long rests a lot faster than mm-hmm. others i think if i was writing a dungeon dungeon mm-hmm. where it's like oh you want to take a long rest yep. okay <laughs> go ahead and make your camp yeah. um and uh and and kind of go from there that's an option but i had to do i had to do that on the fly with um the last time i ran the the zombie game because mm. the party got into the undercroft under the mansion and they, they had a really rough fight with some yeah. giant spiders and an edder cap. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they're pretty beat up, but I think they can beat the boss at the end. <laughs> it, it's going to be tight, but I think they can squeak out a win and that will be really <laughs> cool. <laughs> and instead the party went, we're going to, we're going to make camp and have a long rest. Yep. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait what? Mm-hmm. You, you've been pushing people time is of the essence we need to do this we need to, to lead and now you're telling me you're going to put your boots up I, like as the dm i almost mm-hmm. went like hell you are mm-hmm. like no it's it's not an option and it was really hard as dungeon master not to say you cannot long rest yeah um i ended up yeah. just going in and like ramping up the the hit points on the boss because it's like okay they're coming in fresh off a of rest Gotta right. do something to make it interesting now. Yeah, and that's that's what I said. It was one of my very first uh, games of of fifth edition. The party I was running, uh, I modded out keep on the borderland, and the party just kept going in, hitting one room, you know, Nova striking, and then running for home. And and so it was this thing where I was like, okay, guys, you realize. 
you know, they, like then they would reset traps or the monsters would remove around and do different things and, and stuff. And then it was through that, that I started to learn that, okay, yeah, the long rest mechanic is really, you know, if, if they can Nova strike, you know, throw it all the big spell slots and everything in and then just walk away, you know, whoo, game don't work too well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's not set up for it. I will admit that in Solasta, some of my favorite encounters are when you get ambushed on the road. Because mm. you usually have a full blanket of spells, mm-hmm. and you usually don't have another combat encounter that day because you're traveling. Right. So you can go <laughs> all out up against the wall, just blast this sucker because there's no logical consequence. So I'm like itching to get my Harry Potter group up to fifth level. So my mm-hmm. two wizards can unlock fireball. Right. Cause then it's, it's going to get scary. Well, and that's, uh, in third, the, the, they had this party and, um, they had no blasters types and, and it was really funny cause my buddy asked me to join and I said, can I play a sorcerer? And he's like, Oh, I, he didn't tell me this, but inside he said, I just died a little. Cause I'm like, hate sorcerers you know because that was their in that was when they began really was in third edition and he's like i hate them so much and everything but he didn't tell me that until the campaign was over so i came in as a pyromancer and and it went like this instead of combats running like 13 or 14 rounds there was one where it was supposed to be a random encounter with some displacer beasts. The displacer beast stalked us at night and he's like, I hear rustling on the hill and, <laughs> and my pyromancer stands up and he's like, Bo-whoosh! you know, fireball. And he's like, okay, they, you don't know what it was. It ran away, <laughs> you know, but it's it just, is dead. <laughs> yeah. The, there's no way, even it, even if it survived the fireball, it was going to go, that's not worth eating. I'm sorry. That's just, you know, I'm out. Oh, so. I prefer, so, yeah, I prefer I prey that doesn't bite back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm not interested in heartburn tonight, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that's, that's, I think, I think one of my complaints in the current publications has not been that transparency about the game design. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like that's definitely a third section topic. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but but things like giving, you know, and maybe even approaching it from an article point of view. Mm-hmm. Like, this article is on this topic. This article is on this topic. Which I get, you read it and you're done, but it becomes that, like, that conversational, hey, these are the decisions that were made. Here's why they were made. Yep. Know what you're doing before you muck with any of them because there's valid reasons to muck with them. Yeah. You know, you want to run a grim dark game where long rests are few and far between. Sweet. Yeah. But that does mean you have to account for X, Y, and Z. And the biggest one to me among X, Y, and Z is player burnout from not doing cool stuff. Right. Well, and that goes into the generational conversation that we've had and and stuff where it the expectations of players today, I mean, they've all grown up watching anime and manga and you know they just, all this is like you know it's it's you know uh, Dragon Ball Z Super Son you know and fire and, and blazing and you know cracking mountains and uh air bending and throwing pillars of stone up out of the earth and and all that so 
you know, when you're like, yes, you can cast mold earth and move five feet of dirt, you know, it, it, it kind of is like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to stomp my foot and the earth cracks apart. And, but even you know, short of that, I mean, I'm thinking back to the old second edition days. Yeah. Your, your second level wizard casts magic missile. Mm-hmm. And then they're about to get hit. So they, they know they're going to get hit. So the next round they cast shield because there were <laughs> there were no reactions. Right. You had to cast it in advance of being attacked. And then you were like, and I'm done. That's my day. For, for the rest of the game day, I am stabbing <laughs> with my dagger and using my sling. If I'm lucky, I have a 10 foot pole to try to keep them away from me. Yeah. Um. And it's like, I mean, I get, and a lot of it was weird because I think back in the day, there was a, the logic of you played the wizard so that when you got to level 10, you were the one everyone kept alive because right. you were the dangerous one in the party. Um, but you were also the dangerous one in the party. So when you walked in the dragon's <laughs> lair and the dragon saw the dude in the back with the pointy hat, the mm-hmm. dragon had one target. Exactly. So um, it there's definitely like some understanding of that. And maybe even an article to discuss, hey, there are players who really like this. Here's how you might want to approach them at your table. Yep. Um, I do think some good com- – I think definitely all three sections should probably have in them somewhere in episode zero mm-hmm. conversation or session zero conversation. And it just gets more intense as you go along. Right. You know, section one, session zero is why are we doing what we're doing? How to talk about it. Whereas section three, session zero stuff is safety tools and safe words and the difference between cut to black and cut completely. Right. 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 You know, acknowledging that some of your players are bringing their own personal, their life history with them to the table. And they might not be able to tell you at the time why they don't want to play tonight. Right. And so acknowledging, hey, you remember last week we had this thing happen with the barmaid? We're all going to pretend that didn't happen. Right. We're yeah. just going to remove it from the game. I, I, I talked to Bob. Bob would rather we never bring it up again. And I think Bob's not wrong. And just that's that's that. Uh, after session therapy, I've always called it therapy from since like the late 80s. I've always, when we finish a game, I always, I've always called it, all right, therapy. Let's, let's go through this. You know, what we like, what we not like, what, you know, what, what's going on with this, you know, how, what, what can we do better kind of stuff. Um, and I think that that should be a, you know, a post game and, and the post game therapy stuff gives specific questions for dungeon masters to ask because at the table at the time as people are like packing dice and going oh god i gotta yeah i gotta stop and get diapers on my way home or whatever you know type thing or i'm so hungry they're just gonna say good it was a good game had fun great i'm out you know where if you say hey in that second encounter maybe have your questions made up beforehand even what did you guys think of the hag was that too intense you have specific questions and that therapy session, even depending on scheduling, can be not necessarily even right after. It can be email or Discord chat, like, hey, here's my quick questionnaire about last week's game. What do you guys think? Yeah, Boop. absolutely. And and again, like you were saying, having specific questions, I would say section two should have mm. like like a, a questionnaire to read off. 
Yeah. What was everyone's favorite moment? What was everyone's moment where they felt their character was at their highest achievement yeah. level? What what one element would you prefer not happen again, if any? Yeah. Um, and, and just write the questions out so the, the mid-range DM can say, okay, I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I'm supposed to read these mm-hmm. and, and get some feedback. Do we want to do it now or should I text everybody? Right. And maybe get a group chat going so we can have that conversation. But I think, I think, especially as the hobby grows and we have more new people to it, it's okay to assume people don't know. Right. And to put it in writing, which also I think segues into the one thing I want to make, I would really want to have in there. And I know this is going to get us, if, if, like, take it back. At this point, if people are listening to the podcast or they're participating with us live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lantern noir, um, they're not trolling us. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. They've made it this far. That said, I absolutely think section two should have a sensitivity section. Mm. And I, I, I know that that's a hot word. I know you say sensitivity. People go, oh, freaking snowflakes. Yeah. Um, but I do think there it's we're, we're past the point where it's valuable to codify finally an mm. awareness of um, race, gender, disability, sexual identity, and to say things like, hey, when you do certain things, this is how players might interpret it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's how to talk to your players right. about some of these issues, or here are resources to pursue. If you, if you have a diverse table, here are some ways to, some things to be mindful of when you're, when you're doing this. I know right now the hot topic on the Twitters is an upcoming game of critical role, mm. which takes place in North Africa, Southwest Asia. And, and the cast is entirely white. And there's yeah. a little bit of concern among the, the the communities of are they are they going to be sensitive in how they play this? Yeah. And I think that that that's a it's a legitimate concern. We don't know yet. We haven't seen it. But I also think that's just a healthy reminder that there's a value in saying, hey, look, if you're not a member of a marginalized group, you should be really mindful of how you include them. So yeah. that you are sensitive to players at the table and you don't end up with a situation that makes you ultimately even less comfortable. Right, right. Yeah, it, it would or, you know, use it as a conversation piece to to set parameters in your game too. you know, like, hey, guys, you know, I I'm not I I know that, you know, that um Elves and dwarves hate each other uh, in my world. And there's going to be some racism between these two races. Is everybody cool with that? Or should we cut this out? Or should we downplay it? Or should the only people who do that are evil people? You know, who, who you know, type thing. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, it, it, it really is a conversation worth having at your table. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and I think, but I think something that the D and D publishing has shied away from is being too on the nose, mm. except for when they they are literally too on the nose. Mm. Um, and by mm. which I mean, um, when they revised Curse of Strahd, I no. think there is some value in saying the Vistania are a diverse culture with some mm. good people and some evil people mixed in, like the idea of an entire uh, group. 
of, of her ethnicity, really, hmm. being evil collaborators with nasty Ukis is, yeah. is problematic. But I also think some of the changes they made were a little overchangey. Because I do think that, for example, it, it's that from what I remember, right, they cut a lot of the characters that were drunk, that uh, were Vistani. They made them simply lazy or they made or they completely removed all negative quantities from them. And I thought in some ways, like, but wait a second, we, we can recognize these are two individual characters within the group. Yeah. It's OK for them to have faults. Right. Um, and that's what a lot of people fixated on. They didn't mm. notice like, hey, we are taking a... Um, a fictional cultural group that is clearly modeled on a marginalized group in our, our modern world. Yeah. And we are removing the negative stereotypes from that group, which was a plus. Right. And yeah, they yeah. fixated on the really particulars of like, but this didn't have to change. Well, you're probably not wrong. It probably didn't, but right. lots of other things did. Can we at least agree on that? And so that's the kind of thing where I think there's a lot of room to say, you know, as a company, we want our tables to be diverse. We want yeah. all players welcome at the table. And as the dungeon master, as much as it kind of sucks, it's kind of your job to make sure everyone that wants to play feels welcome as their identity at the table. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and well, and, and to go, yeah, to be, and it's it's a weird line because I mean, Nazis were white people, and you know they were Germans, and but we can all agree they were bad. They were bad people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it, it it's it, yeah it gets weird that it, it you have to remove it from the race or whatever and mm -hmm. make it more of a, a you know a cultural distinction or whatever i mean the the normal people in jim jones's cult were probably pretty nice people but <laughs> jim jones and the cult itself was not nice people <laughs> no and that and that gets into that that difference between um an ethnic stereotype and mm -hmm. um individual members within or even an entire group within yep you know the idea that there um there were people in germany who did good things mm -hmm. during world war ii and and they were not many right um, i actually find the the apathy of the typical german as we know from our studies of, of history um is pretty horrific all by itself right um, but there's i mean you you can't just go hey all whenever you say all of a group you you automatically run into a headache Right. But when you say all of a group that people have selected to join, mm -hmm. now you got some freedom. Right. Because people yep. have made the choice to affiliate with that group. Yeah, um, it, um, I, I made note of it during the uh, prequels for Star Wars. I, I like to note that the reason there's a droid army mm -hmm. is because if, if you had Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, Cuisinarding... Mm -hmm. <laughs> other human beings with their lightsabers that wouldn't have played so well you had some problems yeah problems i i often joked with my brother that it would have been you know if if instead instead of lucas it was spielberg doing the prequels it would have been like saving private jedi you know <laughs> and stormtroopers like picking their arm up and like uh, trying to stick it back onto their onto their, their shoulder so yeah, 
But I, 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 again, I think that there's some room to actually finally come out and say, look, these are some tools that you should be considering. Um, and, and put it out there finally. I think in a lot of ways, I appreciate what, what, what Watsi has done over the last four or five years mm-hmm. to say, look, we're, we're, we're addressing some of the, the, the choices we made that were not always well informed. But I think it's, I think it's time to be a little more upfront about it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, again, when I talk about being welcome at the table, I also want to clarify, um, not every player fits every table by virtue of mm-hmm. play style. Right. Like, I want to clarify, because I've had that thrown back at me on the internets in the past. Well, I, I hate the idea of a DM fudging. Are you going to tell me you're going to stop fudging your dice because I don't want it because I want to be welcome at your table? Well, that's a play style, my friend. Mm-hmm. You choose that. Yeah. Um, and no, you wouldn't be. Um, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, you seem like a nice person, but I don't think we'd get, I don't think we'd enjoy our game. Right. I don't think we would. I don't think we'd be a good match. Um, it's not that I want you to feel unwelcome per se. It's just, let's be honest. I just, I don't think this is the game for you, which is very different than saying you're of a group. I don't associate with. Yeah. You're, you, you are part of a, a community. I don't associate with by virtue of your identity. You're mm-hmm. not welcome. That is a deeply problematic statement. Correct. Yeah. The, uh, again, play styles, differences and things that should definitely be, yeah, maybe in a, in the chapter two, bring it up or, or even lightly bring it up in the first section, like different players are different things. Cause like we've said nowadays, D and D is not, it's generally not here is my friends and we play D and D you know, and whatever game we play, it's going to be the five of us playing. And, you know, no matter what, because, you know, uh, Chris, Chris might just be there to throw the dice, drink a couple beers, you know, while, while uh, Susan is there to play wacky, weird characters and, you know, push the system and, you know, make these flowery speeches and, you know, yeah yeah and and so and you know this person might be there to watch the story unfold and you know so you have this diverse you know play styles and things in a group and and it is never no one should ever feel like that no one should suffer through a game because it's just those are my friends and that's how we play you know you should either come to a compromise or feel free to hey every, you know every other sunday we don't play with dave and chris dave and chris are not part of how we want to storytell and they can sit in the other room and still be part of the group and play playstation for you know <laughs> four when, hours when, when you role play us... nerds are done we'll come back to the table <laughs> exactly Which, and then that, maybe that should be in like a chapter two yeah as like our my last thought on everything as we kind of are we're, mm, we're bumping mm. up to the time we gotta get home to the, okay, the okay. other halves all right, um, all right. is that conversation too maybe it's an article for chapter three or section yeah. three of when your game group is more than a game group mm-hmm. because I do know that conflict resolution between five buddies that have been playing D and D for 20 years is very different than conflict resolution between five people that met at the friendly local game store to play a first level module. And they've been hanging mm-hmm. out for two years. Mm-hmm. Those are just different groups with no, different I... expectations for how they interact with each other and, each and, other. <laughs> and let's just well, and, and own it. 
Like, hey, you are going to make compromises with the guy you went to high school with that you wouldn't make for anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I mean, you probably should. Mm-hmm. I mean, all things considered. That's just probably for the best because that's a different relationship. He shaved my butt and nom. You know, um, <laughs> it's, sure. it's just a different, different relationship. We'll go with that. I I that level of friendship yeah. versus you know versus the the guy at the game store who you you see once you know twice you see once a week for the last fifty weeks so you've seen him fifty times right you know absolutely so what have you got coming up in games Woo-hoo. let's talk uh, so I have we, with any luck we have had a lot of life issues uh recently like running the gambit from people trying to finish school to people having uh sudden new roommates to me uh my my mother collapsed whole other story we'll talk some other time yeah like? at, at, at her work um so anyway uh but uh with any luck, we'll have Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time over on Indoor Adventures. We'll be back to our Monster Noir, uh, winding that um, that uh, storyline down. So, you know, uh, come on in and check that out. And then I will be back Sunday, Sunday, Sunday with Wilder Myth, which I'm having a great time with. I I can just, I have to say... Nothing feels as cool as when you're streaming a game and repeatedly uh, several weeks now, every time I send out my, my morning tweet, the game company sends a retweets my tweet. There's just something, you know, it warms the heart. You like, mm-hmm. I love you guys. Thank you for, you know, giving attention to someone who's, who's, who's playing your amazing game. So, uh, so that's 10, 10 ish, uh, Eastern standard time, Sunday mornings over on Graybeard Tavern, um, Graybeard Tavern, no S, uh, uh on Twitch. Check me out there, and then you know we'll be back here when we get back here to. Well, and then don't forget a week from Saturday. (gasps) That's right. You and the Reluctant Hermit, and it's Mecca. Mecca Spider. Mecca Spider, and hopefully I can get a fourth person. All right. I'm trying to I'm trying to wrangle in a fourth player because I feel like all games are better with four than with three. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we're doing a little spoopy one shot. Uh, as, as, as I've been teasing it, five adventurers come back to their village after having vanquished the foes to find things are not as they remember them. <laughs> um, and it's, it should, I, I'm hoping it's fun. Um, it's, it's something I've been kicking around for a while. Take it easy, Aztecki. You're picking a good time to mm-hmm. head out. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it's as fun as I think it's going to be. I am really excited to, to put it on um, as my Halloween one shot. And I can confirm that a professional game designer more or less wrote off on the primary plot. All right. But he was funny. I'm like, can I run a, a module past you? He's like, technically, no. <laughs> because I work for a game company and I can't mm. hear people's D&D games. Because if mm. I do and we accidentally publish one that's mm-hmm. like it, yep. I can get in trouble. Yep. Which I'm like, that has got to suck. Mm-hmm. Although I also know enough about Joseph to know that he loves the fact that he can tell people to stop talking about their games. <laughs> this is this is the guy that went through Gen Con wearing a T-shirt that said, "No, I don't want to hear about your character." <laughs> yep. So, like, props to, props to that dude. He is he is an amazing friend. He was he ran all the games I played in college. 
That's awesome. Um, back in the day. Um, but so that's that Sunday. And then tomorrow night, we are doing Session Zero, Part 2, for The Convergence, mm-hmm. which is slated to start relatively on time on the 27th with our first session. And I've actually, like, I sat down today while my kids were doing a worksheet and went, I think I have a plot for that first episode. Um, I even have some maps coming, although I think I under budgeted for professionally made maps. Oh, no. Um, We might not have as many cool maps as we thought. I feel bad because I know some people helped me hit that stretch goal because they love maps. And I like maps Mm. the size we need are expensive. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm I'm working on that. And then Sunday night, we're supposed to start um, going to backtrack a bit. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then we, uh, Sunday night, we're starting session zero for find yourself. Oh, find yourself back in a place I have a map for. That's legit. Uh, that is legit. Uh, um, <laughs> I have dungeon tiles. So all of your dungeons look like they are gray. Um, we're starting Dragon Heist. We were supposed to start this sat- Sunday, but we had a, I was still sick mm. and I was going to push through it. And then we had a player who uh, had a migraine. So we said, let's just wait a week. Um, and that's Sunday night. And then this coming Saturday, the 23rd, Candlekeep is supposed to be getting together. Nice. So it's just this is just a whirlwind two weeks for me yeah. um, of fun in Dungeons and & Dragons and growing the channel and just being like, just having a blast getting back to playing with people. Yeah. we. I mean, we get to play together for the first time. So yeah. It should be fun. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Dwar- Dwarven Undertaker. That's what I've made. So. But if you download this podcast, thank you so much for your, your attention and your patronage. Please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It helps others find this content um, and engage with our stream. Um, while you're out there leaving that review, uh, you might consider even pointing yourself at sweetsteam.com purveyors of fine steampunk themed chocolate and the promo code steam noir will get five percent off your order now is a great time to be doing chocolates we've got the holidays coming up they make great gifts to your nerdy or non-nerdy friends even even your aunt esther will probably find the clockwork orange chocolate funny i'm just she might not find the hindenburg themed spicy chocolate (laughs) as funny um but there's some in there she will absolutely adore. Um, and you don't have to worry about it melting in shipment anymore because it's not 100 degrees in the shade. Mm-hmm. So there you go. They don't need to pack everything in ice, but they will if you ask them. Um, and they are happy sponsors of the stream and all things Lantern Noir. Um, thank you for coming by. Gray, your parting thought for our podcast partners. Uh, don't be afraid to DM. Get out there. Give it a shot. Uh, as long as people laugh and come back to your table, you're doing it right. Amen to that. We'll see you all next time. Happy Hour at the Old Timer Tavern is a proud part of the Inverse Genius Network of Content. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. They give valuable feedback for the hosts and help others find this amazing content.